Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today's film is Doctor Strange, Marvel's Doctor Strange, if you will. We are going to be discussing the film with spoilers in mind, so if you haven't seen the film, we recommend you check it out before listening to this podcast. Lloyd, what did you think of Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange? Yeah, I, I was struggling to think of a good movie that Benedict Cumberbatch has been in because I didn't like Star Trek Into Darkness at all and I didn't get a chance to see the WikiLeaks movie, but I know he's very popular in the UK. I think he was uh, Dr... Um, Sherlock. Yeah, oh, sorry, Sherlock, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sherlock Holmes in a uh, cult TV series, but I haven't seen him in a hit movie, so I was struggling to think, what what else has he been in? Well, he was in 12 Years a Slave. He was also in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. You might remember him from Zoolander. He was that model all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, remember is that, that the sequel or is that the original? The second one, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen the second one. Oh, we saw it. Yeah. No, no, we didn't. Okay. No, I didn't okay. see it. You saw it. <laughs> I saw it. More famously, the imitation game then, when he was Alan Turing, was a big one uh, for him. But most people probably focus on Sherlock or Into Darkness. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job. Uh, I fully believed by the end that his transformation, the whole look of Doctor Strange, it matched the comic books. And I very much enjoyed him in the role. Also, I read that Joaquin Phoenix was like their other option, which doesn't really sit as well with me so I was pretty happy I guess with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in the end the whole time travel thing though Lloyd all the time loops I had a lot of trouble with the time of this this movie I felt like there was a lot of training and a lot of the part of Batman Begins you know where Christian Bale's Batman goes and trains with Liam Neeson That's exactly what I thought <laughs> it's except it's most of the movie is that portion and then, obviously, you get some Inception there, too. So, I mean, we love Christopher Nolan on this podcast. We're, we're happy to, to um, you know, see like-minded directors. But, of course, the, the comparisons are there for Inception and the city folding into itself. This might not sound as kind, but the feeling that I had watching this, and I saw the trailer, but I've avoided a lot of TV spots and interviews and things. I went in as fresh as I could. The feeling that I had was Kung Fu Panda. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I've seen the first one. So, you know, in the first one, how there is um, a former student who previously trained with them and turned bad and wants this ancient scroll <laughs> and comes back and wants to steal the ancient scroll and be the chosen one. And, uh, you know, they reluctantly sort of train the panda. And <laughs> I felt a bit like Doctor Strange was Kung Fu Panda. You know, he learns the, the arts and... By the end, he's a master. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, change over the mysticism or the sorcery element to Kung Fu and you got Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> yeah. People have compared it to Green Lantern as well, but for me, this is very Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> well, I read a review that said Doctor Strange is Iron Man with magic, and I think in many ways they're right because you got the arrogant genius, a, dis a disaster befalls them, and they are left to some you know super element that has to help them get out of that situation, and then they become a hero, and both have very particular goatees as well. But I like Iron Man. I like uh, Tony Stark. I don't really like 
the person that uh, Doctor Strange is. I think for his arrogance, they didn't really give us enough kind of save the cat moments where he's a good guy. You know, we don't see him operate on anybody he doesn't isn't sure he can save. Yeah. You know? Um, he doesn't want his record ruined. Exactly, yeah. And he's still very arrogant till towards the end of the film. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, you sort of... The humour of um, Tony Stark made him more lovable. Also, he's a bit of a womaniser and stuff. So there's some sort of like, uh, you know, he's more of a rich playboy. I guess there's more of a Batman to him. Whereas Benedict Cumberbatch in this, as Doctor Strange, you know, he comes off as more of a jerk. And there was no real love interest there. Um, I, I don't know if there, like, the, there were lovers before and he, he's just, there's a sense of awkwardness to their relationship and it, just by circumstance alone, that's when they get rekindled at the end. Like he absolutely has to go to her in a time of need and that's the only time where they really get stronger. I don't know. We, we don't ever see the full emails that he's written to her but and the watch in particular shows that he has some sediment to that relationship but that's never really pursued. Yeah, I felt like um, it was like the relationship Natalie Portman had in Thor yeah. but less fun. It felt... Rachel McAdams is a great actress. I really like her. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm a huge her. fan. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. She's got a great presence but the, these Marvel movies got to give these you know, these lover characters just a bit more time on screen. The best one probably is still Iron Man with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, and I mean, she had something to do. She gets made the head of the company and stuff. I, I feel like Natalie Portman didn't have anything to do in Thor and is probably reluctant to return. I'm not sure she's going to be in Thor Ragnarok. Whereas Rachel McAdams, I feel like they didn't give her enough to do in this and they could easily not have her in Doctor Strange 2 whenever that happens. But for me, it's, it's the relationship has happened prior to the camera rolling which is fine but then they were barely friends they were barely lovers like there is kind of a a little bit of a pity to what she's doing you know helping him and as you say he only comes to her in his in, time of need yeah in a time of need and in a way it's to show off and show what a master he is you know and i opened a portal and i can do this now and like check out how great i've become it's a bit show-offy as well like there's nothing humble about him and the thing that I didn't like was her reaction to it all. Like, she went with it instead of being more freaked out. <laughs> I really felt like she should have been like, what is happening? Because she has no context, whereas he has, of course, been there and trained and has some idea about the magic. Yeah, she doesn't faint or anything. <laughs> Did you like the new Marvel logo? I didn't even notice that at the very beginning with the, all the flickering happening. Yeah, like it used to be a real like comic book flicking page one, but now they've got actual shots from movies. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Captain America with the shield and... and they have almost Scarlet like Johnson. 20 to draw from now. <laughs> yeah, I think this is 15 or 14 or something, yeah. It's interesting you say uh, the most boring part of uh, Doctor Strange was the training sequences and you you are you are right like in a sense like it does move at a, a very fast pace this movie and it does stay in the orient a lot and uh, but i think unfortunately it skips out on too much of the training and research scenes like we do get one moment where he is reading a book in astral form while his actual body is asleep and we do get a moment of brief combat sparring and using his abilities to create portals. But for me, it just wasn't enough. I wanted to see more of his photogenic memory in use, just him reading a book and memorizing it. He is a very promising student and is excelling at it. And like in Batman Begins, 
Bruce, it's said that Bruce Wayne disappeared for a few years. We don't really know how long he trained with the League of Shadows, but it is for a few years. In this film, I don't know how long Doctor Strange has been gone for. It could have been a couple of weeks. It could have been six months. It could have been a couple of years. I don't really get a sense of time, but I what I do get is he's excelling at a really fast pace. One of the great things about Rocky for me, the, the movie series, the reason why that series is so effective is because it slows down and shows you the progression of his training. And when the final fight begins, you're really into the character of Rocky because you've experienced all his hard work. And I, I, I don't feel that in Doctor Strange. Uh, there's too much, uh, they speed past too much of the training. And there were moments where he just seemed like what my issue with Star Wars The Force Awakens, where the main character all of a sudden can fight a trained Jedi or Sith Lord with a lightsaber, you know, at the climactic battle. There was a little bit of that here where Doctor Strange is just a bit too powerful. Yes, I completely agree. As well, there's all those other masters who are training with the Ancient One played by Tilda Swinton. Oh, I can't wait to get into this. I think I know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, of course, there's no sense of time. I don't know how long he trained for. I don't know how long he learned anything. I did think about it later, the astral projection where he's reading that book. We do see Tilda Swinton, when she's astrally projecting, that it's really slow. So he could read lots and lots of books while he's astral projecting. So, I, you know, with his photographic memory, he would learn a lot during those times. People think he's asleep and time does go slower when he's out of his body. But if you think about it, apparently it's about a year that he was training, a year he'd been missing. And I would have loved to have seen Rachel McAdams' character say, you know, ah, oh, where's he been? It's been a year or somebody exactly. else Exactly. Oh my gosh. See what else is going on in the world, you know. But the other masters, can you imagine all this school of people that uh, none of them can step up and be the new ancient one, that he can just walk in off the street, <laughs> learn everything, steal the books he wants, become the best and then be in charge? Amazing. <laughs> Well, I, I was going to get to this, but I, I've got to start with the really controversial point. But it's about the whitewashing in this movie, the criticism that's been uh, given to it with the casting of Tilda Swinton. And I have nothing against Tilda Swinton. I think she's a fantastic actress. But there was a point in this movie at the beginning, I just thought it looked so silly having a Celtic actor play a monk from the Orient and delivering all these wise mentor lines. And I get it's the diversity thing. They're putting a woman in a in a strong role that's um, written for an old um, Asian man. And I think it would have been so much stronger just simply casting an older Asian lady to play the part. But unfortunately, Hollywood just doesn't go for that sort of thing. And this should have been one of the great Asian roles in comic book movies. But unfortunately, the director, Scott Derrickson and producers just don't want to go down that road. Scott Derrickson actually said, Asians have been whitewashed and stereotyped in American cinema for over a century and people should be mad or nothing will change. What I did was the lesser of two evils, but it is still an evil. And I'm glad he acknowledges that. But to that point that you were making, 
all the ethnic characters had to take a backseat in this movie. Here comes a wealthy, intelligent and arrogant man from New York arrives (laughs) to this ancient school of the Orient that focuses on the dark arts of sorcery or whatever. And this doctor who is arrogant and smug in a quick amount of time masters all their arts and surpasses them to become their leader. And I wish they made some of the other characters stronger. They could have had that implicit in in the action sequences. Instead, the Asian characters really don't put up much of a fight. And in that, in particular, in that fight in New York, the beginner Doctor Strange takes out the bad guys with just himself and a cape, while Wong and Mordo, played by our Chai Wattel Ejo 4, are pretty much just running the whole time. You know, I think there's a bit of ugliness to these Marvel films in terms of how much they place ethnic characters in the background. Both Iron Man and Captain Captain America have African-American friends like uh, War Machine and Falcon, and I really like them both, but they're like sidekicks, and I hope Black Panther is a success because they really need to turn it around in my eyes. I think this was an awful choice having Tilda Swinton play the ancient mystic when the role was perfect for an older Asian lady, but Hollywood just seems a bit ageist to like the best roles they've given over to older actors is Robert Redford in Captain America and of course uh, Captain America Winter Soldier and of course Rosemary Harris as May Parker and Cliff uh, Robertson as Ben Parker in the first two Spider-Mans but I can't think of any Asian roles in any co- um, comic book movies at all and th- this movie brought it all out of me I was like yeah yeah this is being a bit whitewashed and normally I don't really <laughs> care for whitewashed films <laughs> I mean, this is a problem. Like, you do get people boycotting films because of stuff like this. I'm also hoping Captain Marvel, the first female superhero film from Marvel, will be good, as as well as Black Panther. Yeah, absolutely, as you yeah. Let's see if it's a turning point. You know the scene where Strange has to wait outside because they don't want to train him? For five hours? Him, <laughs> yeah, they only make him wait five hours, which is, you know... For example, at the end of Australian Survivor, they stood in a challenge balancing on these sticks, holding onto this pole against the crashing waves for six hours, you know, and that's like human endurance. Like he barely had to wait. He was at the door just sitting down as well. When he first meets Mordo, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, he doesn't give up his watch. They're trying to rob him and just, just think, give up the watch. I know there's sentimental value to his watch, but he's looking to be enlightened and beyond all this material stuff. It just feels like let him, you know, ah. <laughs> His resume just didn't seem to, convincing to me why these mystics would take him in. Just say, oh, he seems promising. Okay, let's let him in. And they give him all these great secrets. It should have been uh, one of the best transitions, I think, in recent movies was uh, The Last Samurai. Uh, you uh, When you first see the poster or a trailer for a movie, you're like, yeah, right, Tom Cruise, this guy from Americans, uh, the American um, infantry, the army, comes into Japan and leads a group of samurais. It's so ridiculous. But what's great about the the movies, how much they emphasize how much heart he has. Every time he gets beaten down, he just keeps getting up. It's his heart that really turns the Japanese samurais around and go, no, he's he's actually worthy of training. I didn't get that at all in this. And again, I think it's because they just speed past too much. Oh, let's just get quickly get him on that cape and get to the action sequences. But that's interesting how you say that this film spends too much 
much time training, whereas I interpreted the other way. They didn't spend enough time training. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Just well, maybe it's the way they trained exactly, him. Exactly, you know, yeah, I agree. Only the ancient one trained him. Like, he should have learned with various masters yeah. and he should have learned more things. It should have been more varied, but it was like he's mastering everything all at once. Interestingly, I can speak to the fact that they actually decide to train him. Now, my theory is is that the Ancient One saw him in visions. Oh, right, yes. And knew that he was special, right? And knew everything about him because when he turns up, she says, Stephen Strange, you know, blah, blah, blah. You came here to heal yourself. And she doesn't know what his future will be because it is beyond her own death. But the problem I have, I guess, is that she knows the moment she's going to die. And she still doesn't stop that. Not knowing beyond that moment the future. She, always, she already knew her own death. But she didn't sort of think well, I'm going to be stabbed in a minute and not have that happen. I mean, she's not wise, even though she's ancient. Um, a lot of people complaining about uh, Mads Mikkelsen, that he's wasted as a bad guy. He's so forgettable. <laughs> yeah, he's got those painted eyes and, you know, doesn't do a terrible job. But I, I agree, he does. he's made to look like a punk when uh, Cumberbatch beats him the first time. Uh, and gets him in that kind of torture device. And you I realized the that best he... student? You just got bested by a beginner, man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he also only has those, like, two goons either side of him all the time. Like, there's three of them, but there was more at different times. It was very convenient, like, that only three are there in the final climax. As well, that girl who gets thrown into the desert... Can't she create a portal and just come back? Uh, yeah, I thought their the, the rings or whatever were taken away from them. It must have been lost in the it's skirmish. Possible. Yeah, that's that's what yeah. I thought, but I don't remember it myself. Right. I'll just have to assume that happened. How much time went by during that sequence at the end when he sees Dormammu and he flies up and he gets killed over and over and over again? How much time do you think was spent in that world? Like, it's... Groundhog Day, for example, some people have said he spent a hundred years in that day, even though we don't we don't know that for sure. Well, the ending is one of the things I really love about Doctor Strange. I thought the whole climax was absolutely fantastic. We see at the end when he faces the main villain, and what's his name again? The main villain, I would Dormammu. Say, Dormammu. I can't pronounce it. I could I like could see Dor? it here on IMDb. I just don't know how to pronounce <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, but you see, Doctor Strange's greatest weapon is his wits. Uh, in that looping time sequence, there was a hint, and but I don't think the film is smart enough to be aware of it. But there is the idea that Doctor Strange has been looping with the villain for a very very long time and slowly he's increasing his magic abilities and after that battle now he's completely Doctor Strange and I love love that idea that maybe those looping deaths helped him grow and evolve into an incredibly powerful superhero but I don't think the film is aware of that but in my mind, I like the idea that he's looped there, like you said, for maybe hundreds and hundreds of years, and over time he's just become incredible. Because you see brief moments where he's trying to fend off the god, like he's putting up a shield, but obviously he can't beat him. So I like that idea that after the looping, the guy, the guy, the the evil guy agrees to his, um, uh, I guess his ultimatum, and he he comes back as Doctor Strange. He's got all he he knows so much uh, more powers than what he did before the looping. Well, as well, the experience he's had, if it is, say, 100 years, like, just to put a number on it, then he spent so much time there, he's evolved as a person and he's no longer selfish and he yeah. is able to take on that mantle. Um, but we see him get blasted, you know, seven or eight times and it doesn't come across. Yeah. 
Well, one, I feel like it yeah, wasn't the montage it needed to be. Exactly. One of the films that did that so effectively, which we covered in our podcast, was Edge of Tomorrow. As it's looping, Tom Cruise, <laughs> this is another Tom Cruise film I'm talking up, but uh, Tom Cruise starts out as this really scared, guy, arrogant guy that doesn't want to engage in battle at all. He's a PR dude. And then over time in the movie, he becomes an incredible warrior that falls in love with uh, Emily Blunt. And you get that because of the montage, how well it's handled and that they could have done that so well in Doctor Strange but it just doesn't it's treated more as comedy that he keeps dying and dying there's nothing the villain can do yeah I mean I just I was happy with the ending in the sense that like you I also interpreted his growth as a as a superhero and uh, I imagined it being much longer than it was but it didn't come across I think to the average viewer they would say oh like after eight or nine times or whatever it was he just agreed to the demands. Completely agree. ridiculous. Yeah. Because they mentioned how much Dormammu wanted to feast on the Earth. As well, like the mirrorverse that uh, Doctor Strange summons, you know, to create it for practice where nothing really matters in the mirrorverse and it doesn't affect the real world. I think that was a bit wasted. Um, that was really only to entice more special effects. It wasn't really, you know, vital to the story. Like if they were just running around. I saw this in 3D at Hoyt's Extreme Screen, and i got to say the 3D effects in this looked absolutely incredible. Did you get a chance to see it in 3D? No, mate. I, I didn't even know I selected a 3D uh, movie. I came in there and I got, I'm like, why is the trailer so blurry? And I saw all people around me are putting on glasses and a group next to me goes, oh, is this in 3D? And I just walked out with them, quickly hurried off to the um, front desk to ask for 3D glasses. But um, So I, I had the luxury just by accident of watching this in 3D and it really amplified a lot of the scenes, particularly the climactic battle sequence, which I think is the best scene uh, in the movie, where it's um, almost on par with my reaction to The Matrix. When I first saw The Matrix in 1999, I think we all had this reaction. We were just so blown away with how amazing it was. Oh, look at this. I've never seen people move like this. I had the same feeling during the climactic battle when he reverses everything and they're having to fight while everything's going in reverse cars are flying by people are flying by buildings are coming back together that was really spectacular i mean it was it was fine in 2d as well um probably didn't come across as well as as the experience you had yeah what i'm saying is i had the better experience <laughs> of course of course my overall thoughts on doctor strange is that the film was fine i didn't dislike it i just thought it was the most uh, moving pieces around the board kind of marvel movie yet you know when like we'll get to the end credits in a minute but you know i just feel like you've got to introduce dr strange now tell us who he is so that we'll know who he is in case he's a love interest for scarlet witch and we need him for infinity wars and we have to show that he has one of the infinity stones and like this just feels like another piece of a puzzle yeah and uh, i don't know it was fine like it was uh, actually relevant i guess to the puzzle like um more so than Ant-Man, <laughs> which was a standalone story. And, you know, I just came out thinking, yeah, that was fine. Like, um, not insanely memorable or anything. Yeah, um, the, I, the weak parts of this movie is the biggest, weakest element of it is the villain. The villain is just so forgettable. And I like uh, that we've got this arrogant character, a part of the uh, Marvel team. I don't think Doctor Strange is an Avenger or, or, or anything like that. Do you know if he is? I don't think he is, but he 
does sort of side with them at times. Yeah, so. especially when Thanos comes in, which is going to be a really interesting battle. He's so Doctor Strange just seems so powerful. Like it's just like the Hulk when he comes along and he could just destroy an entire army. You know, Doctor Strange is just going to even be more amplified, I think. Uh, but the fact that you know none of these super heroes can die, which we discuss over and over again in our podcast, to have a character as powerful as Doctor Strange, maybe it's just his ability to create cool special effects, really that uh, that you're in- heavily engaged in when watching um, him in his in-, in these movies. Well, now that we have Doctor Strange, I think some people will die. But the stakes are different in that Doctor Strange can now help save their lives. Like reversing it and everything. Exactly. Yeah. Reversing um, time and stuff like that. And it might not happen in the same film, like as that they die in, but he is available to reverse events from other movies should they still require a character. It's a great way to pause people's contracts, you know? Like if <laughs> if, uh, if they don't want Robert Downey Jr. for a while, but then they need him back in six movies, you know? <laughs> kill him off temporarily and then bring him back in a mid credit sequence where everyone goes, whoa, and then we find out later it's Doctor Strange. Um, Doctor Strange has been criticised for being very family-friendly, right down to, I suppose, the cape being like the magic carpet in Aladdin, <laughs> you know, like um, helping out our, our, our hero. It is a very family-friendly film. Yeah, there is a beheading at the very beginning that we see in shadow, so off screen, and then he dies several times by getting all those things. There's lots of stabbing uh, in this movie as well, and a bit of surgery. Surgery to me is where I really, you know, I can't watch real surgery on screen. I'm okay with it in movies, but there were some moments, maybe when he was um, uh, doing performing surgery on the brain, I was a bit flinching there, and of course uh, when they were performing surgery on his hands, I was like, oh god. Did your audience uh, laugh much? Um, I didn't have a packed audience at all, and uh, I think there were a bit of few forced laughs, and I'm struggling to think of the the moments that did. Oh, when he was waiting at the door for them, he goes, please let me in. He's been waiting there for five hours, and then the door opens behind him and he falls through. Yeah, that was the biggest Uh, laughs. (laughs) I I had a pretty packed cinema, and no one laughed at that. (laughs) Um, For me, the laughs came when um, Rachel McAdams jumps, like when the bucket mop falls and she screams oh, yeah. after yeah that was the biggest laugh but i suppose as well when she jumps like she when there's the shock moments you know when strange sits up after getting zapped with the paddles um all of that was sort of nervous laughs i think so oh you were saying about our family uh friendly movie did you in the end believe this was a f- very family friendly friendly movie did you wish that they took it a bit more darker i think the comparison really comes from DC not being family friendly. Um, so then Marvel becomes the comic brand that is family right, friendly. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, DC has gone very serious with its Batman, Supermans and so on. And I think the alternative is Marvel. And Marvel knows if they get kids on board for the next 15 films across, say, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, you know, the kids are growing up with Marvel. Yeah, that's a good point. So they, you want to be family friendly. You want them to say dresses Iron Man and Captain America and you want them to follow all these movies and buy them all because that's the revenue stream. That's the same reason that whenever a villain like uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character here, he, he wants to destroy the world. Well, it won't be destroyed because Disney has a revenue stream and it's Marvel. <laughs> so and relax. He, none of these heroes will die. Well, they can die, but it'll be temporary now that we have Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, yeah, the biggest strength that DC has are its villains. It has an incredible pool of villains, and I'm namely going to highlight the incredible Joker. They can just go in so many directions uh, with that villain, and DC seems to want to go in a more darker tone, so they should be producing films that are much deeper and stronger and can go into these very dark um, sort of elements. Unfortunately, I just think they they just don't know how to handle this. Yes, they want to go in that direction, but at the same time, there's too many fingers in the pie and you're getting these very talented directors trying to make these big epic movies and just because too many people are trying to make this work as so much is invested in it, it just comes out really shocking. Marvel isn't immune to this as well. I do think there are a couple of movies in the Marvel canon that have completely dropped the ball, uh, mainly Iron Man 2. Can we count uh, Fantastic Four the remake? Technically, it's Fox. Okay, but what about the first two Fantastic Fours? I mean, yeah, those would be Marvel. Yeah, those are terrible movies. So Marvel isn't immune to this as well, and DC's gotten to a pretty bad start, although I don't think... Batman vs. Superman and uh, Suicide Squad aren't really terrible films, but they aren't the films that they were hoping, you know, they're not matching Marvel in a sense. I mean, Marvel seems to be getting the the formula down. Yeah. But as well, then there's the danger of it being very formula. Yeah. Every time you go, right, yep, I know what's going on here. And aren't people bored of this yet? At some point, won't we be? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, another origin story. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose... Now we've got to worry about multiverses um, with Doctor Strange. And as well, the astral plane is something that Charles Xavier always used in the comics. He would be able to project himself like Doctor Strange does and go and see other mutants. And it would be a way of Doctor Charles Xavier moving around and seeing other people. Um, So maybe if X-Men ever, you know, get into the Marvel universe, we'll see a bit more of that from um, Professor X as well. I think... We're going to see Doctor Strange be a love interest for Scarlet Witch. You don't think it's going to be Vision and Doctor uh, and uh, Scarlet Witch? I mean, they sort of clashed in Civil War. I also feel like there'll be a level of equality between them because, you know, they both do magic in a way. Yeah, they're two of the most powerful uh, characters in the whole entire Marvel Universe. And I believe there's something in the comics with the two of them, and that's the easy way to do it that way as well Rachel McAdams doesn't have to come back and visit in Doctor Strange 2 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we should talk about these end credits scenes Lloyd so what did you think of the first one? Um, obviously, Chris Hemsworth getting a cameo. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny. That, that That's another moment um, when the audience laughed uh, in my screen. Oh, and also when uh, he was running and the cape was pulling him back. Sorry, I just remember that, that, that slapstick <laughs> moment. Yeah, the whole audience was laughing at that. But yeah, when the beer keeps refilling, that, that was fantastic. Good stuff. And I mean, it's great to see him after you've spent all this time with a brand new character. It's like seeing an old friend. Um, having Chris Hemsworth appear in the film. As well, there was, you know, it's all implications for Thor Ragnarok. The next Thor movie, the third one, the second one I found so boring. I was so bored. I don't know if you saw Thor 2 The Dark World. Uh, Yeah, the things I liked about it, it was funny. It had a lot of funny moments. The villain looked cool. But as far as stakes go, I knew what was going to happen from the get-go. You know, I was just like, oh, okay. You know, but I think the mother dies um, in, in Thor 2. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So th- there is a bit of, um, you know, a, a bit of a, a tragedy to it. But I, I didn't think it was as bad as everyone said. As well, Loki takes the throne at the end in the appearance of um, Odin. For me, there was very, very heavy on special effects and... 
And I guess the other thing is, like, the first Thor movie, I didn't hate, but I didn't really love. I was all, okay, rainbow bridges, um, <laughs> you know, you're really stretching me here. And I saw it in 3D, which was probably a mistake uh, at the time. At least the colours would have been more desaturated. Yeah. I guess now, Thor 3 is the Thor I'm looking forward to. And the reason is, I'm going to see Mark Ruffalo. I'm going to see Chris Hemsworth, and now I'm seeing Loki as well as Doctor Strange. And I think that's going to be a really positive thing for the movie. Yeah, it's also directed by a very uh, talented uh, director. I'm going to have a go at here pronouncing his name, Taika Waititi. Yeah, sounds pretty close. Yeah, New Zealand director who said he's got a lot more control over the the movie. I don't think that's true at all. I think Marvel will put him on a straitjacket, <laughs> making sure he follows the the plotting. But I'm just curious to see what these directors do, what, what these are very talented directors, what their contribution is to the Marvel canon. It's uh, always exciting to see. That's it. And I mean, if they do a good job, much like the directors of Civil, of, um, yeah, well, I guess Civil War, the Rousseau brothers. Yeah, they're doing an amazing job. Yeah, and I mean, they were a part of Winter Soldier and now they're, of course, going to be a part of uh, Infinity Wars. So, you know, there's a reason to excel because the paychecks and jobs and whatever will increase and improve. So, uh, as well, there's no danger that no one's going to watch your movie. There's, of course, the chance it could bomb, but people will watch a Marvel film. So I'll be watching Thor Ragnarok. I think that'll be probably the best Thor yet. And the fact that it's just filmed in Queensland here in Australia, and as well, it's just wrapped uh, principal photography. So it's, you know, it's I'm sure it's 2017, but it's going to be fast-tracked. Probably middle of the year. I haven't looked. You didn't stay for the second. No, I missed out. I thought there was only going to be one credit sequence. I really got to stay at the end with all these Marvel movies. Well, it featured a couple of characters from the movie. One was Benjamin Bratt's character, who, uh, of course, we haven't talked about, but he went to um, see the, the you know, mystic ancient one and uh, learned to walk again, despite the odds, in the film. But he's constantly using magic to walk again. And that was, you know, kind of in the movie, they promised Doctor Strange a little bit that he could learn to use his hands again and then just leave. But that was never going to be the case, because it's like, cool, if you feel let your hands be fixed the whole world's going to be destroyed. <laughs> so you can go back to your job as a doctor if you want, but there won't be a world for long. <laughs> so it was never a choice. He was always going to get pulled into it, but I guess the Ancient One knew that, I guess. She didn't seem as wise as she probably should have. There should have been more of an all-knowing, I know you're going to be the new Ancient One about it. Yeah, and I, I like the idea that she does tap into the dark side a little yeah. bit. That was really cool, but never really zeroed in on or brought you know, more attention to. Yeah, that's right. Well, Benjamin Bratt's character um, gets confronted by Chiwetel Ejiofor's character, Mordo, uh, who approaches him and says, you know, uh, basically hits him in the side and says that, you know, he shouldn't be using magic. He says there's too many sorcerers. And we get the implication that Mordo is going to go around taking out the other sorcerers and perhaps the other masters and the other people we saw studying um, in Nepal. So, like, also implying, I guess, that he will be a Loki-style villain yeah, for the Yeah, wow, he's Doctor such Strange a strong world. actor. That really actually excites me that he could be a really good villain for... Um, yeah, because he is, a, he is the main villain of Doctor Strange in the uh, comic, books, comic books. And I like yeah. the idea that he's rejecting... 
Um, he's not. There was an implication that he was a bit jealous that oh, why aren't I held as a high commander or whatever the hierarchy is in that? I guess a master. Yeah, a master. Yeah. Why is he considered you know more favorable? So there was a bit of jealousy there, but they never really zeroed in on that. But I do like the idea that he's so rejectful of what has happened at the end that his master, who's been following for such a long time, has been using the dark side, and there is a sense that what we're doing is unnatural and we're actually destroying. So he's almost like an environmentalist, in a sense, with a, uh, a crusading cause that we m- I must destroy all these guys to stop messing with nature, that sort of thing. So that really excites me if that's the case. Damn, I wish I stayed for the post credit sequence. Oh, it was a brief little thing. He had an intense look on his face, but um, at the end it said Doctor Strange will return. And I guess the implication is that we'll see a second Doctor Strange film if this is popular enough, but of course he's back in Thor 3. So did he kill that guy who could walk again? Uh, he didn't kill him, but the way Benjamin Bratt topples over, it looks like he's paralysed again. Oh, he took away his um, magic. Took away his magic, yeah, that he's now back to being uh, maybe a paraplegic. He didn't kill him on camera, no. Uh, he just stared him down and he said, there's too many sorcerers. So, um, you know, really intensely. For me, I'm wondering about you, but... Would you like to watch a Marvel movie about a superhero that has never been in a comic book? What if they debuted a new character in a film? I would like, yeah, I would like that, but I just don't think they have the balls to do it. (laughs) But I mean, they're making so much money, hand over fist. Why don't they just say, this is the new character? Look forward to it. And then you do a comic book afterwards. I'd love that. I'd love to go in with no expectation and no backstory and not knowing that, you know... Uh, Mordo is a bad guy or the the Hulk does this or whatever, you know, no, no preconception, no ideas, as fresh as possible. And just, you know, I don't know if they're ever going to do that. But it's I'd money it. in the bag. We already got a built-in audience. These kids will buy the books. They'll buy a movie ticket. <laughs> it's all the intellectual properties. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear they... Um, uh, recorded a bunch of Stan Lee cameos all at once because he's so old. What was the book he was reading in, in this movie when when his cameo was on? I, I missed it. Some people were mentioning, oh, it's pretty funny, that little in-joke with the book he was reading. I was like, oh, I missed it. I didn't even see the book he was reading. I, I didn't read it quick enough, but it is on IMDb in the trivia. Okay. <laughs> um, so people can adventure there and, and find it. Uh, ultimately, I didn't dislike Doctor Strange. I, I think the casting was spot on with Benedict Cumberbatch. I think... Rachel McAdams was wasted, the villain was forgettable. Ultimately, fighting a big cloud of evil is very much like Green Lantern. There's unfortunate comparisons there as well. But for me, this is kind of like Marvel's Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> I like so, that comparison. That's great. Yeah, and no, I just I kept thinking it the whole time. I was like, okay. Uh, and I, I realized, you know, there's more Inception. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a pot of other films that's all been mixed together. And I, I didn't hate... The film. I, I don't want to come off as um, saying I, I hated Doctor Strange or anything like that. I, I just, I don't think it was the strongest. Now I'm, I'm guess it's a stepping stone to Thor three, which will be the next one. Uh, well, next time on the podcast, we'll be tackling an old friend, Nicholas Winding Refn, his new film, The Neon Demon, which um, is all about the world of modeling in LA, and uh, we'll be getting into that next time on the podcast. But uh, you can find podcasts and videos and everything we're up to at podmeifyoucan.com Lloyd, uh, thanks for talking about Doctor Strange with me. Always good to tackle a Marvel movie. It's been a pleasure Dave. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time on the podcast. 
Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 